0: Digital Marketing Radio, episode 173. How important are online reviews? DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B Podcast Network. UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over at 3bpn.com The Big Interview with David Bain I'm joined today by a man who went from profitable to over $100,000 of debt in the 2008 crash but use it as an opportunity to restructure his thinking and start focusing on value. Welcome to DMR, Stephen Christopher.
1: Hey David, thanks so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, thanks so much for joining us, Stephen. Well, um, you can find Stephen over at sequus.com and that's S-W-E-Q-U-S.com. So um, Stephen, um, what was the main thing missing in your business before the crash?
1: So the the business that I had before that crash in two thousand eight was a mortgage company, oh. and it, you know a lot of people know what happened in the U.S. in the mortgage industry around that time. And you know the biggest thing missing in my business was forethought. I, I was a relatively young entrepreneur at the time, and I, I thought, wow, this is pretty easy. This this whole business stuff is going to be great. I'm going to be able to make money for a long time. And uh, what I didn't realize is what I didn't know, I didn't know, and. <laughs> That's that, you know, there's a lot of cycles in business and I wasn't paying attention to that at all. I just kind of thought, well, you know, the government won't let bad things happen or banks are smart. You know, they're not going to they're not going to do things that are going to lose them a bunch of money. And um, so by not having any forethought, it it cost me a business and uh, quite a bit of money in debt and a few years rebuilding from that.
0: What you don't know, what you don't know, can sometimes give you that um, crazy motivation, that um, just focus, that blind enthusiasm, I guess. But um, you kind of do need to know a few things as well at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was it, that was by far. So I, I ended up holding the bag of about a, a little over a hundred thousand dollars in debt when that went down, and so it took me about four years to get all that taken care of. But that was the that was the best education I ever paid for and I, I wouldn't have it any other way looking back. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars was cheap for the lessons that I ended up learning.
0: Well, congratulations. Good investment on, of money. Yeah, c- congratulations <laughs> on coming through that. Um, um, but of course, the first part of today's episode is what we're looking at is the importance of online reviews. So are online reviews important for any business?
1: Yeah, I mean, online reviews are hugely important. Um, there's so many different ways that we could go with this today. So. Maybe we'll just kind of touch, or we'll just start talking about it and see where it takes us. But you know, online reviews. Here's a couple of the first things that come to mind as far as importance goes. When we think about Google and we think about organic SEO, online reviews play a huge part of ranking or in organic SEO for companies. So when you look at you know, let's say you Google um, like for example, we work with a lot of uh, local home service businesses, so people that provide services in home. And when somebody Googles for, let's say, a local plumber, um, they type in, you know, plumber in whatever your city is. Well, that first set of listings, the Google Maps listings, uh, a huge part of that is reviews. And it's not just the number of reviews or it's not just the rating of the reviews, but it's all of these things aggregated together. And so if you want to rank highly, especially if you're a local business and maps play a part of your ranking, um, I mean, just sheer getting reviews from customers is is, is so important for local organic SEO. Um, so just from a standpoint of getting found, you've got to have, uh, you've got to be actively getting reviews.
0: Um, so Google was the first place you mentioned there. Is Google by far the most important place to get reviews for most businesses?
1: So that's a great question. I get that question a lot of times. So overall, probably yes but here's how, I would, here's how I would tell people to really determine if that's the best place to go to. Search a couple of your primary keywords and see what shows up on the first page. If Google Maps shows up first, great. That's somewhere that you should be focused on. Um, but let's say that Google Maps doesn't show up. Maybe you're not a local business. What other third-party sites that aggregate reviews show up on that first page? Is it Yelp? Is it City Search? Is it you know um, something like an Angie's List? So find out what's really showing up on the first page of Google and then put some focus, if not a majority of your focus there, because the whole, there's a couple of different reasons why you get reviews, but when we talk about it from an SEO side, the whole point is to show up higher in search rankings. So figure out what sites have already done all the hard work for you. And then now just get reviews on those sites so that you show up higher on Google by almost by accident, right? <laughs>
0: So, yeah, i'm I'm sure there are loads of businesses out there with loads of satisfied customers. But how do you actually convert those satisfied customers and persuade them to write reviews for your business?
1: Hard work. <laughs> um, you know people are so when we when we talk to our clients about getting specifically Google reviews, right? Google reviews are not overly easy to get. Um they make you they make you have an account. They make you go through you know the certain process, like, um, it's not super easy to get them, but that's all on purpose. That's also why those reviews hold so much weight because it's harder to scam or spam that system. So by putting in just solid, good old fashioned hard work to get those reviews, that's how you're going to start to get them. Um, a couple of just examples that come to mind is, you know what's your follow-up process for following up with happy clients, asking for feedback, and then asking for the review. A lot of businesses don't even go that far, and then businesses that do ask for a review, um, unfortunately, only ask maybe once or maybe twice. And if they don't get the review, they stop asking. But you've got to you've got to be consistent. You've got to be willing to put in that follow up with your customers. If how you frame the question, as you said, a lot of businesses have kind of those customers that are really really happy with them. Well, if they're really really happy with you and you've taken the time to build a relationship with them eventually most of them are going to be willing to write a review. So if you're having trouble getting your customers to write reviews after asking 100 times, maybe you're not given the level of service that you think you are.
0: You mentioned the two words scam and spam there. Is there ever (laughs) an occasion to actually start to seed reviews with a few legitimate-looking fake reviews, or is that not a thing? Is it easy to, to tell fake reviews?
1: So there are some companies out there that will create fake reviews for you and they'll use, you know, they'll create individual Google addresses and I mean, they'll technically do it all correct. Um, But our policy within our company is that we will never pay for reviews because Google will eventually figure that out. I mean, if you've got a, a, a scammer writing you know, fifty different reviews under uh, under a real account for different businesses, but somebody finds out that that's a, a spam review. As soon as they get flagged, Google's going to go back and realize that the other fifty businesses that they reviewed are also spam, and it just creates a it creates a mindset that it's okay to cheat a little bit. Uh, now, that's just my opinion, but I'm I'm a big believer of the the saying: "How you do anything is how you do everything," and. I think once you start looking for those shortcuts in one place, you're likely to start looking for them in other places. And if you don't get caught in one place, you might get caught in the other place. So just do it right from the beginning. Um, Put in the time and the energy. That's who's going to win in the long run.
0: It might come back and bite you. I guess if Google don't find out about it over the short term, there's still that um, possibility they'll find out about it over the longer term. And then perhaps they'll be more likely to scrutinise what else you're doing a little bit more closely and more likely to, I guess, put you in some kind of penalty filter because of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of companies that walk that grey line, you know, right in between black and white. And I think there's companies that walk that gray line right on the edge of black. Well, what happens is when Google comes out with a new algorithm update, that might push the location of that line. You know, where's the line between black and white? Well, if it pushes it a little more towards the the white side of things, you just fell into the, the penalty box. Um, so I'd rather just stay. You know, maybe in the light gray. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think you know, doing everything
0: correctly? But yeah. Do you think that reviews can actually positively impact SEO? I'm imagining here, if you get a few positive ratings, some five stars appear within the SERPs underneath your brand. It perhaps positively impacts your click through rate. So, do you think resu- um, reviews can result in things like that, and then perhaps that could impact your SEO success in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we can dive really deep into this, but let's let's go back to our example that we used in the beginning, kind of around Google reviews and Google local or Google my business. Um, what your customer actually writes when they write the review, Google looks at that and you'll notice that you start to rank for those types of keywords. So I'll give you an example. Um, we'll just stick with the plumber, the plumber example because that's what we started with. If, if a plumber has a client that writes a review and the review is very vague, it just says, you know, Mr. Plumber did, a, came to my house. They did a great job. Um, they did everything they said they would. I absolutely recommend them to a friend, five stars, two thumbs up, whatever. Well, that's great. And that will hold some weight that a real person wrote a review. But if the second person comes in and says, Hey, Mr. Plumber came to my house. Um, they replaced the toilet. They fixed a leak, a leaky faucet and they cleaned my drains and everything worked perfectly it's the best plumber i've ever seen in my entire life well google will take the content of that review and you'll actually start to rank a little bit higher for those keywords you know drain cleaning plumber um, the the things that people talked about in the review so it's not that they're just looking at the review saying okay social proof you did a good job you got a five-star review they're actually looking at the content in that review to see what are you relevant for as a business. So it absolutely will affect your SEO rankings, even down to getting into a granular level like that.
0: And is it ever idea, a good idea to actually drive people towards hopefully leaving a review on a third-party site like Trustpilot or something like that, where it's not directly related to your website, but um, perhaps that brand review there could... Drive more traffic from people reviewing businesses in a certain industry on that website
1: yeah it's it, it wouldn't be my first choice so if you said okay we can have a customer write a review on you know Google or Yelp or whatever shows up on the first page for your services um, that would always be my first go-to but the second part of reviews is social proof you know think about how we all go shopping and with Amazon I mean most of us will read the reviews. We want to know what other people are experiencing. So if you can't get a review on a site that's going to help with your overall SEO and your rankings, then yeah, one of those third-party sites, I mean, at least you're getting something so that now you can point to uh, you can point to it or you can point potential customers to it and say, hey, look at what these people also said about our services as well. So at least you're still providing that social proof. And the last part of that is, If people go to that third-party site specifically to look for a specific person or industry or company, then yeah, maybe that's a really good site for you to be focused on.
0: It maybe depends on the size of your business in the industry. If you're an up-and-coming business in a particular sector, then I guess you could perhaps even leverage another brand's traffic on a review site. Absolutely. And You you mentioned the word social proof. Um, There is, is also potentially negative social proof as well. Is it possible to prevent someone from leaving a negative review about your business?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times that comes down to coaching whoever it is that's dealing with your clients. So if you run a business where you have somebody else, you know, another employee, another team member that's dealing with customers, you need to be very conscious of how you train them to deal with customers because of the repercussions of a negative review. Um, So A good example, let's say that, uh, you know, your company's policy is to send an email to every client as soon as a job is done asking for a review. Well, if your team doesn't know that, so they go out to somebody's house or provide a service for somebody and they do a really crappy job and they know it, but they don't want to come back and tell you, um, but that customer goes and leaves a bad review because now you've sent that customer an email right after the job is done. Um, You've got to open a a better feedback loop to training your team for, hey, telling them, as soon as you leave, this person's going to be sent an email that says, how did you do? If for any reason you feel like they're going to be unhappy with you, you need to let us know or let the person know that sends the email out so that now that email doesn't go out and a different type of email goes out just saying, You know, maybe it's just a a direct email saying, hey, how was, you know, how was your services today? Is there anything we could do to improve? Because a lot of times people leave negative reviews way more than positive reviews. You know, people have a bad experience. They're happy to go on 15 sites and bash you every single place they can. They want to share, they want to share their experience, but more really for the most part, they just
0: want to be heard and I found strangely it also depends on industry as well because um I've had a look at a few different um reviews of new house builders in the UK and all of them tend to be terrible reviews but it must be the case that um the people with the bad experiences are those people that go and leave the reviews it's not necessarily the case with every industry maybe other industries are more online savvy and they're better at driving satisfied customers to review sites but that industry Certainly, in the UK, it seems particularly bad.
1: Yeah, well, and something, uh, an example for an industry like that. I mean, that's such a large purchase for somebody that you know they're more likely to take the time. If you just bought a, a home for hundreds of thousands of you know euros or dollars, then that's you're going to be much more likely to want to voice your opinion because it's such a large purchase. Um, and then you have the bandwagon effect, right? You know, if if ten people leave bad reviews, mm. and then you feel like you had a mediocre experience, but you go to look at the company that maybe you've already engaged with, you're like, oh yeah, like actually they are worse than I thought originally. So you're more likely to write that negative review. So I mean, those are tough to turn around for a company if they get that momentum going in a negative direction.
0: And what if you see one or two negative rev- reviews published online and you reckon they're unjust and they're having a big negative impact on on business? Is it possible to overturn them or persuade people to actually... Um, take them away if, if that was possible.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's two. There's kind of two answers here. One is if the review is just false and it's fake, um, and you can kind of prove that. Like for example, you know that you've never had that client, um, or they're they're nowhere in your system. You've never done business with them. Um, we've had some pretty good success getting reviews removed that are false, um, both on Yelp and on Google. Um, So that's one thing to think about: is if it's truly false review, there are some ways to get rid of that. Um, And you know, David, I can actually share an article we wrote on getting rid of bad Yelp reviews. Uh, sure. If that's beneficial to anybody,
0: yeah, that would be good. Um, I can leave that in the show notes of the of the of the episode.
1: Cool, because I know Yelp is a is one that a lot of people want to get rid of, and they tout that you know we never re- remove a review. Well, they'll remove them if they're incorrect, and we can cite things in their policy that that review violates. And then the second piece is, let's say you had a a, a real customer that truly voiced a, uh, you know, a a negative experience about your company. So what you want to do is you always want to respond to that review and you want to respond as quickly as possible, but you want to make sure you're not responding in a way where it starts a, a a fight um, back and forth. You know, that's not the place where you want to have hash out um, uh, kind of a, a fight in public Um, And respond publicly
0: is is what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: yep. Respond publicly. So, you know, Google and Yelp, um, those are two of the biggest ones where, you know, you want to make sure you respond publicly. Uh, But you want to just respond acknowledging that person um, and then making sure that you put uh, kind of a finite end to the conversation right there, meaning something along the lines of, hey, you know, I'm sorry you had a a poor experience. I'd love to make it right. I'm the owner of the company. Here's my cell phone number. Please call me. I also found your email address in our notes, and I've sent you an email. Uh, we definitely want to make this right. You know, Please get in touch with me. And that's finite. Don't, don't ever ask a question in a response because now you're just opening it for more attention uh, in a public forum, which you don't want. So now, even if that person never changes their negative review and never contacts you, at least another potential customer that's going looking at reviews on your company, at least they can see that you as the owner or whatever your position is there, you took the time to respond and try to make it right. And that holds a lot of weight with people, even if it's a one-star review.
0: If you do see a negative comments on a forum or somewhere like that, have you ever tried or would you ever recommend trying doing negative SEO on that particular piece to try and ensure that it's not found by other people in the future?
1: I mean, what I would focus on is I would just always focus on getting positive reviews in as many as places as possible about your company and if you do that most of the time, you'll never have to worry about that one off person, but if that does happen yeah i don't I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a little bit of uh s e o on yeah on your sites so that now you kind of push that that forum down a little bit.
0: And, in terms of future places to look at for potential review opportunities, is somewhere like facebook perhaps the the next area to look at
1: yeah i don't I don't know if I'd consider it the next area. it depends on i guess it depends on what people are gonna start doing in the next couple of years, which if i knew we'd uh <laughs> we'd be doing quite well um but you know one interesting thing that happened recently is Google brought back in reviews from third party sites, so now they're starting to show um, reviews from Facebook, reviews from Yelp. Um, I've seen a couple other local directories that pull up there. So they're starting to pull in those third-party reviews. So yeah, I, I think it is important to have reviews on other sites. And here's what we tell people. Where does your ideal client hang out? So if your ideal client is mostly on Facebook, then get a lot of Facebook reviews. You know, Where are they going to go to look at you? Um, That's where I would kind of put your focus. And then secondarily, like we mentioned at the beginning, Google uh, some of your search terms for your business and see what sites show up on the first page and then put some focus on those.
0: in the next section of our discussion, I'm going to be asking Stephen about the software that he couldn't live without. But first of all, talking about reviews, I'd like to thank Aditha Morali for sending me a wonderful email. And um, he said, um, to say that I love digital marketing radio would be an understatement. I just finished listening to DMR one hundred and forty-eight with Rand Fishkin on SEO in twenty twenty. I particularly loved the special episode with Yaroslav on blogging in two thousand and sixteen. I think these are the best episodes I've listened to so far. Um, but perhaps it's going to be one hundred and seventy-three after the, after this one. We'll see. Um, You you carried on by saying, um, I don't usually review podcasts, but I was forced to leave one after listening to the above episodes. I just wanted you to know that there are lots of people out there who tune into Digital Marketing Radio every week just to see if new episodes have been released yet and re-listen to random ones. So yeah, thank you uh, very much again, Um, Aditha. I really appreciate that. But um, let's segue into the second section of discussion and that focuses on Stephen's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Stephen, what software do currently using in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success?
1: Jeez, I mean, there's so many tools out there that we seem to, they seem to go in this cycle. Like, um, you know, Moz is a great one. So Moz, a couple of years ago, we used, uh, we used a ton. And then now some of the other softwares that we use seem to kind of jump up above where Moz is, for example. And then now I think in a couple more years, that's going to end up doing the exact same thing. Um, Back and forth, but uh, some of the ones that we use a lot, we use uh, SEM Rush. I don't care what other people say; we still like the Google tools. Um, so we still like Analytics. We still like um, Webmaster Tools. I don't. We don't necessarily buy into uh, complete accuracy for everything in there, but it has really great tools in there. So um, you almost can't go wrong with Webmaster Tools and Analytics, um, and then. Another software that we've started using more recently is is called Hotjar. Okay, yeah. And this is a little bit away from SEO. Um, Yeah, so you're familiar with it. uh, Maybe six or eight months ago, we really started to think about people that visit your website. That's a 1,000 potential customers for the most part. And so where are we missing some uh, some really easy opportunities to convert? And Hotjar is uh, a video recording software or a heat mapping software. And as we started to install that on our client sites and watch that, It was amazing to see where people were falling off and how we could better convert those. So, I mean, that's a huge one for us because we also do web development and design, and our design team has taken our designs to a whole new level by watching like thousands and thousands of videos of people on client sites.
0: Well, um, I've used Hotjar. A couple of people recommended Hotjar as well. And at the time That we're recording this, um, which is just at the end of September um, 2016, episode 170 uh, has just gone live of Digital Marketing Radio, which is David Darminen, the founder of Hotjar. (laughs) So that's the. So um, yeah, that that was a great discussion, and um, it's a a great bit of uh, software. So um, great recommendation. But um, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future?
1: Um, one that's on our list is bright edge. So we don't use bright edge right now. Um, I have a couple of friends that own uh, much larger agencies, you know, over the $20 million mark. And it seems to be a slightly more expensive piece of software, but from what I'm gathering, there's a good reason why. Um, so that's one that we don't currently use that is on our list in the very near future.
0: I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently?
1: So uh, looking back to the mortgage company, which is really where I taught myself internet marketing, um, I did not do well um, with content. I, I, I wanted to do everything the tricky way. You know, I wanted to just get to the top of the search engines as fast as humanly possible. And I didn't care about the long-term repercussions. And I didn't think of stuff from a value perspective, you know, really trying to add value to potential customers. It was more, I, I knew we had a really great service that we offered. So I was like, if I can just get them the call, we'll be good. We'll provide a great service. But um, initially, I was always trying to trick the system and look for that ninja, that next ninja trick. But I found myself always having to look for the next ninja trick when one of them didn't work.
0: Right. Okay. Um, I so
1: I, I didn't do a good job of creating good, valuable content in the beginning.
0: I guess most people were like that. Um, you know, if you're talking about pre 2008 days, it's 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 almost pre social media as well, and um, most people tended to focus on tricks or um, shortcuts rather than. Um, long-term business models. As I, I, I know I myself actually, um, I, I did really well with Google AdSense and um, just publishing web pages with um, fairly basic content on them, but making decent revenue from that. But feeling inside, this isn't quite right. It doesn't feel like a real long-term business model, but I wasn't particularly sure at the time, you know, what model would replace that. But uh You just um, live and learn and um, keep on experiencing new things and you eventually get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I even remember, you know, you brought up kind of pre-social media. I even remember um, when I was looking at Facebook going, okay, is this really going to be real or is it going to be a fad? And Mm -hmm. I pushed back on it for a little while. And then I went back and realized, wait a minute, there was people that pushed back on the internet being a fad. And so I thought, okay, I should probably get on board with this. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was a little behind creating even a Facebook account. Well,
0: there's no need to jump on things necessarily immediately. Quite often people will misuse tools when they first come out. I think with Facebook, um, everyone was adding thousands of friends who they didn't know, um, in, instead of actually building real relationships on there as well. And then they had to, you know, take people off um, um, being friends and, and rebuild their profiles and their presences on, on, on that particular network.
1: I agree. And, and we still, you know, and that's exactly what we see nowadays with every new platform that comes out. There's those people that kind of take advantage of it initially. And then uh, it doesn't seem to last. It's the amount of time that that seems to last is getting shorter and shorter and shorter every year. You know, there people aren't able to take advantage of those new platforms by doing things the wrong way for very long now.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the same's happening with SEO, of course. Um, as we, discuss things, Penguin 4.0 has just come out and that's integrated into Google's core algorithm now so there's no long wait of time before an update to that filter happens and it means that um, you're more likely to get caught out quicker if you try and cheat the system as opposed to do things the right way
1: Yeah, and the other other great thing about it being kind of a uh, you you know, we don't have to wait for releases is now if we do accidentally do something wrong we can get uh, we can get it fixed much, uh, much quicker. And, um, you know, one of my team that really dug into that update, I like one of the things that he found when he talked about it is that, you know, it's going to be more page specific. So if you have one bad page that maybe has some bad backlinks to it, or isn't doing things quite right, you're, you're more likely going to fall just for that page. And it's not going to affect your whole site as it has
0: in the past. Absolutely. The this or that round. So, this is the quick response round. 10 quick questions, just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? I'm ready. <whistles> Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations?
1: One-on-one relations.
0: Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Both. And local marketing or global marketing?
1: Local marketing.
0: normally normally people leave their both to the the last one but um you're fairly local focused so that, so that was going to be quite obvious there as well yeah um you you probably paused most over was it paid search or seo yeah
1: and there, <laughs> i mean there's a very specific reason for that i mean it's we're seeing things change so much and i mean um perfect example because i just had a conversation about this today so you know google is rolling out the um uh, the the new set of services for like plumbers, for example, we work with a lot of those, and now they have the the service where you can pay, process to be a sponsored, you know plumber in an area, and so that's we're watching that very closely in a couple markets like San Jose and stuff, and so that's why I hesitate so much on that question because paid is sneaking into organic in places that people don't really know that it's paid. And so it's starting to mesh even more. Um, and obviously, you know, Google's a for-profit company. I, I don't blame them for wanting to make money. Um, and it wouldn't make a difference if I did. So I just need to, we, we need to be more aware of paid and making sure that we're taking advantage of all avenues of digital marketing.
0: So do you think SEOs in general need to work exceptionally closely with paid search professionals in the future? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, it's something that we've put a huge focus on in the last probably 18 to 24 months is just making sure that, you know, we're doing the best job possible for our clients, no matter that be paid or SEO a combination of both depends on the industry location, you know, all those different factors.
0: So is there a place in the future for just an SEO agency or just a pay-per-click agency? Mm.
1: I don't know the answer to that question. We're going to have to see what happens over the course of the next, you know, three to five years. Um, I'd love to say that SEO will always be uh, something that we have, but who knows what's going to happen in five or 10 years.
0: The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success?
1: I would spend it on uh, developing one-on-one relationships. So I would do it completely offline, uh, not digital at all. Um, I would spend it on truly getting to know our prospective clients on an individual basis and sending them things that mean stuff to them that's not branded to us. So sending them stuff that's branded to their company, what they're passionate about with their name on it, and truly trying to add value to their life and building that relationship so that now, now we're going to have a much better potential for getting them as a client compared to our competition.
0: I completely Get that, and completely agree with that. And there are quite a few other people that have said that as well. But how do you measure the ROI of a relationship? So uh,
1: I would measure it by new clients. So I'll give you a perfect example. So we have a list of uh, we we it's of one hundred. So we have hundred exact potential clients that we want to work with, and then we get to know them. So now we get to know out of that list of one hundred, what's the percentage over the course of a, a of a eight week period? How many of those one hundred sign on with us? So, based on whatever that percentage is, that's how I would measure it.
0: And you decide on that hundred based on revenue or industry sector.
1: Yeah, a couple of different um, factors. So, revenue is one of them. We have to make sure that they're able to spend, you know, the money that uh, within our prices. And then also, what's the size of their area that they live in? So we look for certain demographics. Um, and then, just what type of business person are they? You know, are they are they really in it for growing a business, helping their team, helping their staff, or they just in it for the paycheck. And we just, we don't work with those types of people. So yeah, we stalk them on Facebook. We find out what their staff is saying about them. Um, Those are the people that we want to build relationships with and, and have as clients. My number one takeaway.
0: Well, Stephen, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses?
1: Um, Just take the time and do it right. You know, Really think about what digital marketing is all about. It's about solving a customer's problem and then talking about that in a digital world so that we're attracting them as, as customers. Um, yeah, I mean, just, I just do it right. <laughs> Take the time to write the content. Take the time to develop the relationship. I mean, I've seen it over and over where that pays off you know, tenfold compared to trying to trick the system.
0: Well, that takes us to the end of the discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice, Stephen. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do?
1: Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, our company is Sequist. It's uh, S-E-E-Q-U-S dot com. Um, you can email me. I love talking about this stuff, obviously, because I'm on the, the show. Uh, you can email me directly at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at sequist.com. Um And you can find me on Facebook, too. I'm very active on Facebook
0: so thanks to evening and thank you dear listener too if you enjoyed what Stephen shared today tell us what you think an iTunes review is always good and I may even read it out in a future episode and if Twitter's your thing at Bain is my handle maybe it's your thoughts on this episode maybe it's your thoughts on what we should discuss on a future episode whatever it is it would be great to hear from you but until we meet again be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you adios thanks again Stephen great episode All right.